Father, would your word make us strong this morning? In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, so this week I uh, watched the movie Avengers Endgame uh, with my children for the second time. Um, I don't know how many of you have seen that movie. Uh, it takes quite a lot of commitment to work your way through the other 21 Marvel movies that lead up to it. Um, and it certainly helps if you have a teenage son. <laughs> um, if you have seen the movie Endgame, then you'll know that there's a big reward at the end of the saga in the epic final battle sequence. Because pretty much every single character from every other Marvel movie is on the screen at the same time. And they're all fighting one villain. So I've got a picture of the villain. Here he is, the main bad guy. Have you got it up there? There he is. He's a titan called Thanos. Um, he's huge and smart and fast and immensely strong and basically indestructible. So Thor couldn't defeat him, and Iron Man couldn't defeat him, and Captain Marvel couldn't defeat him. And then even the combination of Iron Man, Spider-Man, Doctor Strange, and Star-Lord couldn't defeat Thanos although they came pretty close. Um, and now here we are in the last battle sequence of Endgame, and everybody else has either failed to show up or has been cast aside, and Thanos comes up against Captain America, all alone. Now Captain America, or just Cap, as he's known in the movie, uh, he's by no means the strongest Avenger, even if he thinks he is. Uh, he's really just a souped-up human soldier. But he takes on Thanos, and he makes a decent show, and he lands some good blows. But inevitably, Thanos gets the upper hand, and he uses his massive sword to rip big chunks out of Cap's vibranium shield, and then he sends it flying, um, and you think that Cap's done. So Thanos stands undefeated on the battlefield, and he gives his victory speech. It's like his bad guy, I'll just wait a little bit longer before I kill you, speech. And Thanos says, in all my years of conquest, violence, slaughter, it was never personal. But I'll tell you now, what I'm about to do to your stubborn, <coughs> annoying little plan, I'm going to enjoy it very very much. And then behind him, Thanos' army appears. Thousands of troops, giants, battle tanks, huge monsters that are released from their chains, and all manner of flying machines, until the sky and the ground are just black with enemies. And Captain America lies there on the ground, all by himself. And as I watched that movie again this week, it seemed like such a hopeless moment in a movie. You wonder how the good guys can ever recover from this point. Um, and I realised that it feels a lot like the mood in the book of Hebrews. So uh, skip this read for us, Hebrews uh, chapters 11 and some of 12. And the part he read is some inspiring stuff. But we know, as we read around chapter 11, that these words were written to people who felt down and out. They felt like Captain America facing Thanos with a broken shield. So uh, they were suffering, yes, but they were not just suffering. They were many, many years into suffering. They'd already been in the fight for 21 movies. Um, so open up your Bibles to the book of Hebrews. And I want to start 
at the end of chapter 10, which is on the top of page 1007. So let's start with Hebrews 10, verse 32. I want you to notice from this part of Hebrews 10 what these people have already been through so far in the story. Uh, chapter 10, verse 32 says, But recall the former days when, after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, and sometimes being partners with those so treated. For you had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property, since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and a lasting one. So that's some pretty impressive stuff, isn't it? Um, these are people, the people who got this letter, they had done well in the face of persecution. Long ago, they had been persecuted and they received it joyfully. They stood up in the middle of it. They allowed their bodies to be harmed and imprisoned and their stuff to be taken and they laughed at the pain because they knew Jesus. But now, these same people who were so good at suffering initially were getting ready to quit because the persecution was still going and they were suffering long past the point of having any hope of relief or any strength left to stand. So now flip over the page to chapter 12 and look at verse 12. Um, verse 12 of chapter 12. The author had to write to these same people, therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees. Right? So these Christians were not in good shape anymore. They were really close to quitting. And the writer of Hebrews has to dig very deep to encourage them at this point. So what does he do? In chapter 11, he turns to the history of the people of God, to the people who came before them and who were now watching them. And he wants to show them that, look, okay, this feels very wrong, but actually it's normal, and it turns out okay in the end. This might feel wrong, but actually it's normal, and it turns out okay in the end. Now, I don't know how you're feeling like you're doing today in your fight of faith. Maybe you're in a season of peace and victory, or maybe you feel stranded and alone and surrounded by mighty enemies. Maybe you feel down for the count and you're even getting ready to quit. But wherever you are this morning, I think these words from Hebrews chapter 11 will encourage you because they show us that it's normal for our faith in God to lead us into hard places. But then that same faith can also be relied on to lead us through those hard places and out the other side. So let me show you those two things. So first, it's normal for our faith in God to lead us into hard places. Hebrews 11 verse 1 says, Now faith is the assurance, the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, for by it the people of all receive their commendation. And so that means, in other words, that faith believes what it can't see in spite of the evidence of what it can see. Faith believes what it can't see in spite of the evidence of what it can see. And this habit was the defining feature of every great hero and heroine of the Old Testament. It's something deeply important that we share with them. Faith in God made them saints. And it's faith in God that makes us Saints. So that's why we read this passage on All Saints' Day. Uh, the heroes of the Old Testament had saving faith. They believed God even in things they couldn't see. And we see here that the first effect of that faith was that it got them into trouble. Right? So Abel, in verse 4, offered a better sacrifice than Cain, which is good, 
And so the result was he was murdered for it. Uh, so we see that it's normal for faithful behavior to attract hatred. Next, Noah, in verse 7, built an ark because God told him to, and no one outside of his own family believed him, and no one helped him. So we see that it's normal for faithful people who are in the right to have to stand alone. Abraham, in verse 8, was called to leave his home and make a long journey, and it says here that Abraham went out not knowing where he was going. So we see that it's normal for faithful people to have no idea what God is doing in their lives. Sarah, in verse 11, received the power to conceive Isaac even when she was 90 years old. So it's normal for faithful people to have to wait past the point of despair for the good things of God and then to suffer awkward and embarrassing circumstances when they finally come. Moses, in verse 24, grew up in Pharaoh's palace, but then it says, when he was grown up, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. So, it's normal for faith to lead us to turn our backs on comfort and luxury, and instead to choose to be mistreated. And then there's a whole litany of other people, starting in verse 33, about the kind of trouble that faith normally gets people into. So it says that God's faithful people have stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword. Verse 36, they have suffered mocking and flogging, chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were killed with the sword. Because they were doing the wrong thing? No, because they were doing the right thing. And Hebrews holds this up as part of the normal life of faith. It's really everyone in the Old Testament, pretty much everyone is here in this chapter. It's a bit like Avengers Endgame. Uh, this is what happens every time to everyone, right? The life of faith has always meant turning our backs on what's familiar and safe and comfortable and instead choosing an adventure that's wild and scary and unpredictable. That's what faith does. And it's an adventure that usually means having less in the short term and being mistreated by the world. So these poor Christians here in Hebrews 11 that he was writing to felt like Captain America, lying defeated in the dirt in front of Thanos and his whole army and just about ready to quit. But Hebrews says to them, first, you're on the right track. This is good. This is where faith normally takes people and it always has. And then he says, second, hang on, stand up again, keep going, even if it seems terrifying and confusing and hopeless, because the same faith that got you here is also going to get you through. Okay, so here's Thanos again. Pick up with the movie. Uh, in Avengers Endgame, Captain America lies in the dirt all alone while Thanos makes his victory speech and his army fills the skies. But then what happens in the movie is that Captain America stands up. He's wounded, he's got a broken shield, but slowly and painfully he stands up on his feet and he faces the army and he tightens the strap on his ruined shield. And as you watch him get up, you think, this is so utterly hopeless. There has never been a more hopeless fight in movie history than this, not even the Battle of Helm's Deep in Lord of the Rings. This is David and Goliath times a million. What is one exhausted guy with a broken shield going to do against all these mighty enemies? 
So at this point, the, um, the movie pans back to the scene. I'm not sure how well you can see that, because it's a big, wide shot. Um, but if you can see it, then Captain America is on the left of the screen against the sun. And he's standing all alone on that slab of rock. And then Thanos and his huge army fill up the whole right half of the screen. It's just an amazing scene, uh, because he's so totally outmatched. Um, but as hopeless as it is, Captain America stands up and faces them all. And I really think that that kind of gutsy, stubborn, never-say-dying courage is also a characteristic of the saints of God. Um, so when we look back through the list in Hebrews 11, we find that they all kind of did that. None of them quit, none of them give, gave up. They did what God asked of them. Uh, they saw it through to the end, even if that end was violent death. And I want to remember a couple of moments where the saints did this kind of thing. So um, the chapter, Hebrews 11, mentions David in verse 32. And so I want to remind us all of what David said to Goliath on the battlefield. So David stood there. He was a teenager. He was all by himself. He was facing this giant warrior. Uh, this is 1 Samuel chapter 17. Here's what David said. He said to Goliath, You come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down, and I will cut off your head, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hand. Now remember that, humanly speaking, David's situation there was hopeless. Did he have any way of knowing how God was about to defend him? But he stood up anyway in full confidence of God's strength and power to save. David stood up. And here's another situation that's mentioned in Hebrews 11, is where uh, God's people quench the power of fire. That's in verse 34. And that's referring, I think, maybe among other things, but specifically to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Uh, you might remember their story. They lived in Babylon in the time of King Nebuchadnezzar. And the king set up a golden idol in Babylon. And he made a law that everyone in his kingdom should bow down and worship it. And the punishment for failing to do that was to be thrown into the fiery furnace. Remember the story? Um, but as faithful Jews living in Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refused. So they were dragged before the king and threatened with death by incineration in a fiery furnace if they didn't change their minds. And I want to remind you what they said to King Nebuchadnezzar, because <laughs> they got some real hooks by him. Uh, they said to him, Our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, then be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. <laughs> now, that's what I call faith. That's the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. They believed that God was stronger, and soon after, their faith was vindicated. Jesus met them in the flames, and he kept them safe. So though we may feel alone, we are never alone. Though we may feel outmatched, we are never outmatched. And that's the point Hebrews makes in chapter 12, that all through this troublesome journey of faith, 
we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. And as it turns out, so was Captain America. So uh, in Endgame, Captain America stands up and he slowly advances towards Thanos, towards certain death, and it all looks completely hopeless. And then his earpiece crackles to life. I hope I'm not spoiling this movie for you. Uh, uh, his earpiece crackles to life. And uh, a voice says in his ear, Cat, do you read me? I'm on your left. And, and this portal, this fiery portal, opens in the air and his allies start to appear. So first, Black Panther comes through, flanked by warriors, and then Falcon flies in, and then a bunch more portals open, and all the other Avengers join them one after another, with armies from Wakanda and Asgard and several other places, until Cap's backup looks like this. <laughs> all right, and now it's a completely different story. All because, all the while, while he thought that he was the last man standing, he was actually surrounded by a huge army of allies. A great cloud of witnesses. Hebrews says that if we remember the witnesses, then we'll have the strength to stand. So if you're working hard at something, some important project for God, and you can't get anyone to join you in it, or anyone to help you, and you feel alone, wouldn't it make a difference to have Noah standing beside you, watching you? Well, he is. Um, and if you know God's calling you to follow him, but you don't know where or why or how to get there, then would it help to have Abraham standing there beside you, watching you? Well, he is. And if you're worn down by months and even years of getting up in the middle of the night to feed a baby, would it help? to have Sarah standing beside you, watching you, who did that at 90 years old. Well, she is. And if you're facing the hatred of your family or your friends for the things you believe about Jesus, then would it help to have Peter and John standing beside you? Because they are. So though we may often feel alone, we are never alone. We are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, people who've been there and done that and know what it's like. These are the people cheering us on. Does that help you face the trials that you face today? Because I know it helps me. And best of all, that cloud of witnesses includes Jesus, who of course outdoes them all. Jesus pushed through all the dread and despair of Gethsemane, and he stood up again. And he took himself to Jerusalem, and he did not flinch before Herod or Pilate or the angry crowd, but he carried his own cross all the way to Golgotha. And it says in Hebrews 12, verse 2, that for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. The joy that was set before Jesus was that he would win us, that he would pay for our sins and win us back. That was the joy. And so now the joy that is set before us is that we will meet him. So here as I close, I want to bring us back to chapter 11, verse 13. The summary of the lives of the Old Testament saints in verse 13 is that these all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar, and having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For people who speak thus make it clear that they are seeking a homeland. If they had 
been thinking of that land from which they have gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. And this promise is just the same for us as it was for them. If we will keep going in this race and not give up and not settle here, then God has prepared for us a city in a better country. So it's good that we go about wanting much more than God has given us so far. It's good that we go about with a burning hunger in our hearts for a homeland, for a better country, for a place that feels welcoming and hospitable and beautiful. To want that more than anything we find on earth pleases God and lies at the very heart of faith. So will we follow where Jesus and so many saints have already gone? Will we run this race with endurance for the joy set before us and join Jesus and all our loved ones at the finish line? However dark and hopeless our situation may seem, we are never alone, we are never without help, and we are always able to stand up again if we hold on to faith. Because that same faith that got us into trouble in the first place will also get us through it. Amen. Amen.